Welcome to the Design Imposter Podcast, where we unravel the enigmatic realm of imposter syndrome. My name's Monique Jenkins. And I'm Jessica Vallis. We're two agency owners who've boldly faced the reality of imposter syndrome. We'll share relatable stories and practical insights that empower designers and business owners just like you. Together, we'll help you conquer self-doubt and unleash your true potential. Get ready to unveil your true brilliance. Welcome to Design Imposter. Welcome back to the Design Imposter podcast, where we dive into the fascinating world of design, brand, and the power of a strong identity. Today, we're uncovering the secrets behind defining your niche for your new business. We're also going to share our journey with the Creative Circle Company, revealing how we crafted our unique niche. So let's get started. Do you say, hold on real quick, do you say niche or niche? Both. Niche, niche, all of it. Y'all know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) I always say niche. (laughs) Niche. I'd probably say niche most days. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. (laughs) Uh, Let's get uh, started talking about your niche, uh, what your niche is and why it's critical for any new business. Um, If you're not familiar, a niche is a specialized segment of the market for a particular kind of product or service. It's where your business can stand out, connect with the right audience, and offer something uniquely valuable. But how do you find your niche? Let's break that down. For starters, think of what you actually enjoy doing. You can't align your business with something that you don't understand and that you simply just do not enjoy doing. If you want clients who hold the same values and interests as you, this is where you need to start. Yeah. So step number one is identifying your strengths and your interests. So like Jessica was saying, the foundation of any niche lies in understanding what you do best, what you're passionate about. And at uh, Create a Circle Company, we started by reflecting on our strengths in UX and UI and our interests in community building and our commitment to empowering small businesses. Yes. And let's clarify, for small businesses, we aren't focused on organizations that have small resources or vision but more so on businesses that are able to optimize high value and revenue for their clients. Jessica, from your perspective, why do you believe it's vital to champion businesses that contribute value to their communities? I've said this before, but my personal pillars are education, communication, and inclusivity, which can also be synonymous with social justice. Businesses or nonprofits that get involved with communities generally have values that align with my own values. So it's really easy to get along with these individuals when we share the same core. Um, When we educate communities, we create informed consumers. When we communicate openly, like we do on this podcast with, you know, pricing and strategy, we encourage others to reach their maximum potential and fix what could potentially be broken. So what about you, Monique? Why do you believe it's important? So um, I I agree. And am in alignment with you. Uh, but I would add, I want to make sure that the, you know, communities that I invest in have a diverse perspective, uh, hire diverse people, they're inclusive, and they have a responsibility to the community that's around them. And I think that some of the businesses that I have worked at at the past, your values are easily swayed when they are not central and core to your actual mission and things that you believe in. So you've worked at some companies where the value alignment and missions were incredibly amazing. But once you get into that business, you can see the unraveling of what those are. Um, so I think that us investing into businesses and community that have a strong 
or, or businesses that have a strong core value and community helps to re. Um, well, it just made me think about Wells Fargo and how, you know, giving back to the community is one of their pillars, I would say. But then you look at what they've done in the past and they've scammed a bunch of people. So are they really community involved? And this is really where a brand and reputation comes to play. But um, yeah. But that's more about yeah, personal but like, pillars, but <laughs> no, but 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 to that point, I think um what I think of Wells Fargo as a business, I don't think about the community aspects or like let's throw Wells Fargo out the window, let's use a generalization. Um it there are companies who say like we believe in uh helping communities and things like that, but don't have policies that are aligned with you taking time off to be able to facilitate helping the community. Like that's a misalignment of the values that you say or the pillows pillars that you say that your business is very present in. So it's a it's alignment on a larger level. It's alignment in a strategic way and not necessarily like feel good things that you are able to quote to employees or organizations that you work with, but don't truly actually live in values. Yeah. For us, step two is researching the market. So we researched extensively to understand the needs of small businesses and nonprofits and the gaps in the current design and branding services. We looked at the market trends, competitor offerings, and potential customer pain points in order to help us craft, you know, the creative uh, circle company as our next entity. I really want to stress the importance of understanding your customer pain point. You cannot market your services without addressing a problem and providing a solution. Otherwise, you fail to differentiate yourself from your competition. So what if you say you create websites? Anyone can do that. But what if you create user-focused websites that keep CEOs out of marketing meetings? Or you develop online strategies that drive donors beyond the homepage? Here, you're addressing a pain point. You're keeping busy execs free so they can focus on strategy and growth or for the nonprofit side, you're preventing user drop-off or potential donors while they're just on the homepage. So you need to be able to address that pain point in order to um, really hone in on your client. Because different different industries or even the same industry, they might have different pain points. Um, so when you can address the one, you can really focus in and speak to that one audience. Not to say that you can't work beyond your niche. I think we said that before. Um, but when you can identify that pain point, then you're speaking to one person. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think I've said this before, um, and this is at least my experience, is that like redesigns are not fun for companies. They are done with a purpose in mind. And the purpose is to, you know, get more people to click on a specific CTA or get more people deeper down the funnel of their application flow or sales funnel, whatever it is. But they are never truly just to look nice. They are to accomplish a specific task for the audience member that you are trying to segment to. So you have to think about that in regards to even what you want to do with your respective website um, and how you make sure that you are tapping into whatever the needs of the market are to get them to do the tasks that you are looking for them to do. And a, the, tr the same is true for us. For CCC, our role is coming in as a fractional CMO and saving organizations from needing to hire an entire marketing department because we'll come in with the branding, website, social presence, and marketing and be able to keep a consistent message and not have to compete or, you know, clash with other potential um, contractors. So if you're designing a website, 
And then you also have to touch base with another external marketing company. And then you have to touch base with another um, company that's doing maybe like the social. It's just easier when it's all in one and you only have one person that you need to get back in touch with. This brings us to our next point. For us, it became clear that there was a significant need among small businesses and not-for-profits for branding and web design services that genuinely resonated with their communities. We've seen that in organizations we frequent, the boards we serve on and the school that our kids attend and the conferences that we go to, that there is sometimes a misalignment between the amazing services that this place offers and the actual website and social media presence. And those are things that people leverage in order to validate that your business is sometimes worthy of their time, that they can trust this entity that they're about to dedicate time, money, resources to. So those are why those things are important. Yeah, I've got two words for you. Blanket branding. There is so much visual design out there that just looks pretty or just all right. Um, it's people putting together a quick Word document and sending it out as a flyer. It's people thinking they can do Canva and they've got to use every inch of white space. But when you do this, it doesn't resonate with what I want as a client or you. Um, and it just doesn't resonate overall with consumers. But there's another part to this too, which you kind of touched on. And it's a hesitancy for these people to leave current platforms and service providers that they've been using for e years. Um, so maybe you've been using a nonprofit platform for like 10 years. But if you go and look at the competition, they're going to be using something newer. And it's not just that it's newer. It's more user friendly. It's dynamic. And um so take a serious look at the third-party service providers you're using and ask yourself if you're utilizing technology that makes sense for the audience you have. And I mean, that's that can be a hard question to ask yourself because it means taking time to invest money, putting time aside to kind of recreate the wheel. Um, but you have to meet industry standards when you do that. Um, for Creative Circle Company, not only... Is it about providing that unique appeal, but also coming in as consultants and helping our clients navigate to something bigger and better? Uh, one example that comes to mind, and I kind of I already said this was a donation form. I'm working on this site. It is not user friendly. The fields are different sizes. Nothing is uniform. You can't customize the buttons, so they're all the same color. There's no ability to create seamless pop-ups. And it's not even compatible with the latest website design, best practices. So they, therefore, have to stick on older platforms and they can't upgrade anything because the one thing they're using is keeping them held back. Um, it wasn't until I researched different platforms and saw what the competitors were doing and mentioned it that they even had a notion that, oh, shoot, we should probably switch over and change. Agreed. Uh, there's a really fun branding experiment that I saw. I don't know how I got down this path, and it's really weird, y'all, but I'll take down any path that, that you should go as a designer. Uh, I was reading an article, I think it was the New York Times, about the New York City subway and their new rat Caesar, which is the person who's supposed to control the population of rats inside of New York. And they built this transit app 
So transitapp.com backslash rats. Um, and they're asking subway riders to help rat out their furry friends. So it's essentially an application where you can say, hey, I saw a rat on 18th Avenue in the subway system. And it helps their like community because they want to control the population of rats, obviously. But it helps in a, in a more like communal aspect. That is a pillar of like you know, making sure that there's rodent sanctuaries in specific places, making sure that they can control the population of rats and that you have a good experience when you go to New York. And that's not necessarily for one demographic of people. That's for people, regardless of if you're a visitor of New York or someone who actually lives there full time, that you have that presence. And I thought that that was a cute branding idea. I don't know how the heck I got down this whole rat Caesar Avenue, but I'm invested now and I've been following it. <laughs> well, you also have to think forward. of the community aspect and like, yes. you know, what was it? The the one time somebody saw a rat dragging a pizza behind him, it became this meme for a while. I think it was even in um, the movie Soul. Yeah. But it was like the cat was eating the pizza instead of the rat, or maybe it was the rat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these things, I don't know, they just bring communities together. Yeah. I have a funny story about rats that I will tell it another time. But like looking at the website, it's super clean. I like the informational aspect of it. I like the fact, you know, that you can engage with the elements. It makes sense uh, for something that's been such a problem in New York. And I'm super interested in how this person is going to eliminate or reduce the rat problems in New York. Um, They've had like 15 rat seizures at this particular junction. So I'm invested uh, in this particular problem set. Okay, real quick, though, I feel uh, when I was talking about it, I was like, what does a donation forum have to do with uh, aligning with your target audience needs? My target audience needs to have a platform where they can get donors. And so by me recognizing that the forum was out of date, then I can integrate that into my niche, bring not-for-profits from an old system up to something that's new and innovative. So, I mean, when you kind of start to deep dive into their sites or what they're putting out, you can identify what areas they need assistance with and, and put that into your niche as well. Yeah, but that's a that's a blanket problem across a multitude of industries. Everyone uses some type of forum or engagement on their website. Everyone has to be up to date with best practices as far as forums are concerned. Make sure that the questions that they're asking are necessary for the people for the audience that they're asking it to. Make sure it's easy and user friendly in order for someone to feel comfortable providing with that information. There's so many websites that have like you know, email subscription form in their footer or something like that. If that stuff isn't easy, if you have to fit, if you had to fill out 10, you know, things in order to get email marketing from a company, you probably wouldn't. You would only do it in a space where you absolutely needed the services that they were providing. But more likely than not, if you don't make those quick, easy, seamless uh, interactions with your users, then they kind of just go away. Uh, but now on to uh, the next step and uh, what led to creating the niche for a creative circle company. Uh, our mission uh, became to empower small businesses and non-for-profits by creating influential branding and web design that deepened their ties with community. This niche was born from our strengths, our market research, our deep understanding of our ta- target audience of past clients that we work with, future clients that we want to work with, and how that kind of like elevates who we are as a brand. You and I have gone back and forth a few times on this. How can we narrow? How can we refine our audience? And I think it's something we can work through as we grow. For example, 
if we were to find that we've worked with a handful of religious nonprofits and always run into the same hiccups every project, or we feel overwhelmingly unfulfilled when working with a clean energy company, we can refine our niche so that we can help companies we feel compatible with. If you're noticing trends and you're like, this is just not fun, go and eliminate that. And a lot of the time it is trial and error and diving diving deeper into what it is that you like. I agree. I say that about services and clients. If you are working with a client in a specific sector and you find like, hey, I just don't enjoy this. Or if your services are so expansive and you're like, hey, I don't enjoy this aspect of it, you can always scale back. You can always say, hey, actually, we're not going to offer these type of marketing services anymore because that's not where you find alignment. You could hire someone you can white label um, their services underneath your branding. You could do a bunch of different things or you could just eliminate it altogether and say like, you know, this isn't profitable for us. Let's not move forward. I do have a friend, um, Jessica Langley. She has a mural uh, business and every year she posts this like, elaborate like Instagram posts of where she made the most money in her business and you know what spaces were most profitable um and and all of that jazz and one of the things that she does when she makes this list it says like wedding invitations she'll say I only made three thousand dollars in wedding invitations this year it might be fun but it's not profitable and it's not an area that I want to split focus on so I'm going to scale back and I'm not going to do that thing anymore I might do a fun project for a friend or something like that but I'm not going to focus the core of my business on a space that's not providing actual revenue so you got to think about it like that yeah my first niche was a blanketed I work with small businesses who have between maybe one to five employees and they're just getting started and I had companies from every industry on startup budgets looking for websites and I realized, one, I couldn't relate to every single industry. And two, the money just wasn't there for that. And the client couldn't relate either because I didn't understand the requirements of their unique industries. So that makes a little strain in our relationship when I don't really understand and vice versa. Um, I did take a niche course, though. And navigated back to what I spent most of my corporate career working in, which was finance. Mm -hmm. So this is all to say, it's never too late to pivot and change gears if what you're doing doesn't make sense or doesn't bring you fulfillment. Agree. Uh, so we're going to take a look at a case study for a national nonprofit organization that we worked on uh, probably a, a year ago or so. Two or three um, years. <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> it's all a blur. Once the project is finished, I'm done. Um, but uh, this national nonprofit organization was looking uh, to build community through effective marketing of their solar energy company. So they wanted to create a microsite that focused on community engagement, incorporating effective UX and UI marketing SEO strategies. And by doing that for them, we were able to help them connect with more, you know, people were interested in solar so that they can share out these community stories that they had. You really take the credit for this one because you designed it and built it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, I think we built this website over the course of a week, but there was a strong alignment. It's someone that we continue to work with today um, and someone that we enjoy working with, projects that we enjoy working with. They're always on a shortened time frame, which is not always our love language, but <laughs> they always provide some type of value to the community in which they are trying to engage. And that's incredibly important for us. Um, in the solar energy perspective, it was finding 
um, helping them develop a microsite that allowed people to listen to the stories of um, previous people who had gotten into the solar energy space and to invest in diverse communities, which is what I'm all about. So how can we get diverse communities inside of a solar space? How can we get them to leverage solar for their own benefit? And that was a great project for us. Yeah, you can just feel really good about clean, green energy. And as the woman who contacted us and we worked with moves across different companies because she's still working within the same industry of clean energy, we can continue to work with her and have that feel-good energy. Clean energy, feel-good energy. (laughs) Alignment. That's all for today, Um, but we just want to reiterate that finding your niche isn't about what you want to offer. It's about marrying your strengths with the market needs and the desires of your target audience. For the Creative Circle Company, it meant creating a unique space where design meets community empowerment. And that carved out how we created our niche, not only to stand out, but also makes a significant impact on the community around us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Design Imposter Podcast. Stay tuned for more insights and stories from the design world. As we wrap up our captivating journey on today's episode of Design Imposter, we want to leave you with an empowering message. Self-doubt may be a universal experience, but it should never define your worth or potential. Embrace the power of your unique voice, trust in your intuition and abilities, and continue creating fearlessly. Remember, you belong in this space and your contributions are immensely valuable. Know that you are never alone on this journey. We stand by your side, ready to support and celebrate you and your business every step of the way. Thank you for joining us today and being an essential part of the Design Imposter community. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us at Design Imposter Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and leave a review to help other imposters find us. Until we meet again, keep those headphones ready.